I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. We are doing part two of our Ask Us Anything episode today. We are. So this time we're going to the questions that landed on my Instagram stories versus yours. Shall I just dive straight in? Go for it. So this is an interesting one to start with. How do you feel about Instagram potentially getting rid of likes? So this is about a feature that was unveiled this week that is in testing where like counts don't show up on anyone else's posts. Only the creator gets to see how many likes a post gets. Everybody else just sees the posts and can read the comments. I feel two things about this. I understand on one hand why this is great because it takes away the hierarchy of Instagram. It takes away the kind of feeling like our likes is defining our worth. It takes away that whole competitive side of Instagram. Yeah, no comparison because there's no way to see it. However, for some reason I'm also thinking but we have as humans have made seeing the amount of likes and comparing the amount of likes a problem but likes unto themselves I don't believe is fundamentally a bad thing no the likes are not really the issue they're it's how we're interpreting the likes because does seeing likes the seeing likes as we scroll through the platform remind us that this is an engaging platform Does it remind us that this is a platform where kind of you're sharing things that people are engaging with it? I'm just curious if taking away the likes improves the platform or does taking away the likes change the experience of the platform? What do you think? Or do we just shift all of that negativity to a different metric that we find? Yeah, comments or followers. I think it would be more, I would be more interested in removing the follow account from the profile page than I would be removing the likes. Yeah, and to be clear, Instagram have said that they've got no plans to roll this out. It was just an internal Oh, it's not a... Test. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're quite heavily denying that it's ever going to actually see the real light of day. It doesn't serve them to roll this out. I don't think it does, no. Like, the hunger for likes is obviously quite valuable to Instagram because it keeps us all working and engaging. And if you are someone who's trying to strategically grow your Instagram at a period in your business, that data is really useful to say, okay, well, when someone posts this, they get this kind of engagement. They've got so many followers and they're getting this kind mm-hmm. of engagement. You can kind of gauge what you can expect or what you want to aim for. Does it not change influencer work if we lost all the likes? How would brands know? Yeah. So I I guess brands would be able to get the likes from the ins- the influencer for specific campaigns that they were involved with but they certainly wouldn't have any view of how everything else was performing and likes to follower are a fairly good quite rudimentary but quite a good way to tell who's bought their following and who's got a genuine following mm. so if someone's not getting the kind of likes you would expect for their number you usually know there's something fishy going on but people can also buy likes which just complicates people can buy thing. likes yeah i think you're right though i think your instinct is right that actually Although it seems quite nice on the surface and it seems like it would make Instagram less of a competitive place, human nature isn't going to change. And so we're going to find some other way to keep competing. And it may change the way that we engage because if we're not seeing that number, we're not seeing a reminder that people want to see a like on a photo. It's just an interesting, yeah, I think there is something inherent in social media about liking something. It's just, it's been on Facebook since the dawn of time. It's like clicking like and I think we choose to make the numbers unhealthy. I know that social media is very complicated and I know that there are ways that it is not good for our mental health. I know all the studies that have come out on that, but I also think there's free will in this. Mm. I don't personally experience any negative feelings looking over people's no. likes because I don't allow myself love to be wrapped up in that. I understand how easy it would be for that to happen, but I also think that if you can get to a place where you let that go, there's more self, there's growth in that personally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, 
it's kind of sticking a plaster over the problem rather than actually dealing with the wounds. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. It's hard to start a conversation. There's also, did you see an article that came out this week that was discussing whether the Instagram aesthetic is Oh, dead? the Atlantic article. Yeah. yeah. I was talking about that lots of friends this week. What's your take on it? I mean, the... The, the, I feel like the article was talking about a whole different world of Instagram. Yeah. It was about like just your average human and more influencer people. It wasn't yeah. really talking about the kind of content marketing side. And it's interesting because my friend Jessica Rose Williams posted on her grid this morning. She kind of mentioned the Atlantic article and she asked people like, do you prefer more unfiltered grids now or do you prefer curated grids? And the comments were pretty much split down the middle. Interesting. And I think that we all feel differently about it. I know me personally that if there's someone who on Instagram I love, I don't care what their grid looks like. Mm. But when you stumble across someone, we are now wired to check out the grid as a whole. Yeah. Our entry point. I always think the grid is not necessarily about it having a specific aesthetic. It's about everything on that page being an accurate reflection of you and what you Mm. do. And a grid that is cohesive works doing that for you whether that is completely natural unfiltered unstylized real you or it can be like beautiful photography or it could be perfectly color toned it could be anything in between any of those but as long as it accurately conveys who you are it's going to attract the right people and the problem is when it's kind of dissonant and it doesn't add up to one clear coherent picture and so you can say that a certain aesthetic that was, you know, devised 10 years ago is dated. Obviously, that's mm. going to happen. And Instagram is a cycle of trends and visual trends all the time. But the idea that people judging you on how you visually represent your brand has died is a bit ridiculous, I think. Yeah, so all these articles trying to get that clickbait. Yeah, ex- exactly. A bashing on millennials and Instagrammers and influencers is like gold <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want clicks on your website. Okay, so Nikki, Miss Magpie Spy said, I'd love to know if you've turned down work because it's gone against your morals. I mean, I turn down things more when it goes against, like, I'm a hell yes, hell no person. Mm. So if something's not a hell yes, I'm just kind of out of there. Also, I don't do any form of sponsored content. I also don't have like, I'm not a big influencer numbers, but even if I did, I wouldn't do it just because it doesn't go against my morals. I just don't think I'd find any joy in like doing brand campaigns. And it wouldn't be working towards your big picture. No, but I just don't think I'd, it just wouldn't bring joy. It's not on a place of alignment for me. Yeah. But I, um, my sense check is always, is this a hell yes or a hell no for anything in my work? You have a bigger profile than me, therefore you get more opportunities than me. So I think your perspective on this question might be more interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely declined stuff because it doesn't align with my own personal beliefs. The one that's coming to mind is I've had quite a few offers of trips or events in Dubai or the Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. But obviously we know that the record of kind of yeah, human rights abuse over there, especially for women and people who are homosexual, is really not good. So for me, I felt like I couldn't, especially for like something like the tourism board, that didn't feel like a comfortable partnership for me or something I could endorse. And in terms of kind of sponsored content, I actually always try and do quite a deep dive into mm. any company and any product before I say yes. I'm in a really fortunate position that I can do that. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree with the choices I make, because realistically, any big brand you buy from now, unless it is like a small ethical brand, any big brand comes from one of about five conglomerate multinational huge evil corporations. But so I'm always checking in, like, does it align with my personal values? Does it align with what I know about my audience? Mm. So for example, I did one recently with Starbucks 
which I think a lot of people might have said no to. But when I actually did the research into what Starbucks were doing, there was kind of, there was easily as much kind of charity work and eco work that they were doing that was improving things as there was kind of negativity out there. And also I really felt like, actually, I love supporting independent coffee chains, but I've also had times in my life when I couldn't afford to heat my house. I certainly couldn't afford to go to independent coffee chains, but I could go and buy a single cup of tea in Starbucks and sit there all day because it was warm and had Wi-Fi. Mm. So I guess it's about, yeah, it's about morals, but it becomes a much more nuanced topic than just, I think this company is moral or this deal is moral or immoral. And more about what do I want to represent and what message do I want to put out to the world? Yeah, so if you're working from a place of integrity, like we both do, it's pretty easy actually to make those decisions. Mm. You just know in your gut what's a yes and what's a no. It's like turning down... We've both turned down opportunities to be on different experiences when it's not a diverse enough yeah. panel. I think when it comes to morals, it's just, it's. I find it quite, I actually find this bit quite easy in my business to just know what is right and what is wrong from my own It's harder to tease it out and explain it to someone else than it is to just make you just decision, know. isn't you it? You just know as soon as something coming in your inbox if it's a yes or a no. Yeah. And I think like, if it's not a hell yes, unless it's something that we need, in general in business, I think like hell yeses should be our sense check. Is is often not black and white, is it? So you might get approached by, say, a coffee company, like a home coffee company, who you know has got a lot of negative press. But actually, when you go and read up on it, there's also like quite a bit of positive press. How do you choose? Yeah, I think with the moral question, it's also it's so um, it's subjective mm. in so many ways, and I think it's a, it's a personal decision to make because everyone's actual political belief systems, religious belief systems are also different. We actually don't all share the same belief systems. If you think about it, like I don't um, subscribe to any religious faith. Yeah. Someone who might subscribe to religious faith might have very different opinions about different topics in life. Just like some people are pro-choice, some people are pro-life. Absolutely. Like, and like your political affiliations might determine which companies you think are acceptable to buy from or yeah. not. So it's just, it's a personal choice, but I think it's a worthy conversation to always be having with ourselves in business. Absolutely. Any organisation tips? One girl band with big ideas, but a huge propensity to procrastinate. I think that organisation, I have two thoughts here. Number one, you have to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. And number two, sometimes just pick a system and go for it and tweak it as you go. Because what everyone, what some people tend to do is they research all the different techniques and they try yeah. it and they just, you're just procrastinating by That's trying to be organised. Pick the simplest system you can. Some people go for the bullet journal. Some people just get a nice planner. Some people get post-it notes. Pick the system that feels the most natural to how your brain works and just try it out. I've found personally for me, I have a started with a stricter system. And once I found my feet in it, I loosened up a little bit. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I had more of like an organized system and now I'm just a bit more in flow of my business. You have to kind of loose. really, really obsess with it for the first month to get it wide into your brain and then you can keep going with it. But don't lose life minutes to trying to find the perfect organizational system i actually think organization and procrastination are two very separate yeah. issues that get conflated an awful lot so so many people will say to you oh you procrastinate you just need to plan you just need to write it down and like you say all that turns into is more procrastination mm-hmm. and there's loads of research into this i've actually i'm quite nerdy about the research around procrastination it's one of my favorite like did you read the recent new york times article topics. about it no oh I'll send it to you I'll put it in the show notes it was really interesting kind of about like why do we actually procrastinate and I guess the takeaway was like we're avoiding doing the thing we don't want to do this is it so it's avoidance and no amount of planning and preparing will make you do that except there is some evidence that actually getting yourself to a place of readiness to start the task makes a difference so that could be that rather than spending Ada's doing a beautiful bullet journal spread of how you're going to spend the week actually just look at the first task on your list that you want to get done that you've prioritized 
get all the stuff out that you need, do any research that you need to do beforehand so that you feel ready and you've reduced kind of those feelings of like opposition to the task. But it's there's so much in here, like procrastination, I feel like we could do a whole episode on because it's a really fascinating topic. And the one thing I would say is if you're someone who procrastinates, don't bully yourself yeah. over it. Like you can't hate yourself into being productive. That's never going to work. And usually procrastination comes up because you're trying to avoid negative feelings yeah. associated with the task. So don't pile on more negative feelings about doing that because you're just going to send yourself into a spiral. Try and look at it compassionately and see what you can support yourself with. And I also think there's something we have to mention here is procrastination is sometimes just bad habits but for some people it's not a choice if you've got ADHD you can't control the fact that your brain is overstimulated absolutely and I think we just have to widen the conversation around procrastination to make space for how everyone's brain navigates the world yes this idea of a neurotypical person just kind of doesn't really exist and what you've learned about what productivity looks like an organization looks like usually comes from school from very rigid boundaries of people who are very fortunate to have lovely tidy brains yeah yeah and if yours doesn't work that way that's absolutely fine and find a system that works for you yeah and reading books on productivity is very rarely the route to (laughs) to productivity (laughs) the one exception I'll say actually is there's an amazing podcast called I Procrastinate all one word and it's by a researcher and professor who in neuroscience I think in Canada and he presents loads of the research on procrastination It's like having a lecture from like a really lovely professor, but on procrastination every week. That sounds amazing. Worth checking out if it's something you struggle with. I actually think with procrastination, the science behind it is very empowering. It is. It's like with anything, because if you understand why you're doing it, you take all the guilt and the blame Mm -hmm. out of it and you're much more able to be like, okay, well, these are things I can put in place that support myself instead of hating myself. Completely. Right. Next question. Nicola says, how do you motivate yourself to do work or be creative on days when you feel like you're not good enough? I think we've got to separate those two things Mm. because feeling motivated and creative and feeling not good enough both can exist at the same time. You can feel motivated to be creative and not feel good enough. Not feeling good enough is the resistance, but it doesn't mean that you've not got creative energy. Usually the feeling of not feeling good enough kicks in when you've got creative energy and motivation, but you're afraid it's procrastination again. <laughs> You're afraid to follow through. And I think the the root cause of this is the not feeling good enough. Yeah. I think in business or in creativity, the only way to feel the only way out is through. Mm. And you just have to get stuck in. And I think sometimes it's feelings aren't facts. I feel like I've said this a million times, but feelings aren't facts and not feeling good enough. And also like it depends how deep the wound is there because everyone has levels of insecurity, but some people have real deep wounds of not feeling good enough that really live in trauma and lived experience and being told by very influential figures in their life that they're not good enough. If you're living in that place, you need so much compassion. And I wonder if you need some support through that because that isn't just a wound that you can fix by just getting shit done. Yeah. And I think everyone's got, uh, everyone's wound of not feeling good enough is there is something that's caused that. And I think there's two things. There's the self-compassion of bearing witness to the fact that something's hurt you so that it's left you feeling not good enough in the world. And also looking at the fact that it's a choice to whether or not allow that feeling to dictate your life actions. Now, if you feel out of, if that feeling feels so big that it is controlling your life actions, that tells me you might need some professional support whether that's a coach or a therapist or whatever you feel suited for you. If you feel like, I just don't feel good enough and it's making me avoid the work out of resistance and fear, maybe something to do there is just try it anyway. I guess there's the kind of the third dimension to this, which is sometimes 
our work isn't as good as we want it to be. Because we're a beginner. Exactly. And like, there's a really beautiful quote by Ira Glass where yeah. he talks about the gap between what you want to be creating that got you inspired and excited to create in the first place and the stuff you create yourself. And the only way to bridge it is, is to keep going. Go through it. So yes, yeah, so sometimes like I'll pick up my camera and the pictures I'm taking are not the pictures I want to take. But I know that the putting the camera down isn't going to get me there faster. The only way to do it is to keep trying and keep shooting and eventually you're going to get there. It's being really okay with the discomfort because any creative work is risking criticism, failure, rejection. And you are inherently a good enough human. Not all of us are good enough at the thing we want to be good. I've been painting a lot recently. I paint like a four-year-old. Like (laughs) Paula can paint. Like my best friends did a graphic design degree and they're technology teachers. And I sent them a picture of what I was drawing and they were like, that's hilarious. I want to see. It's like, it's, I'm so bad, but it brings me so much joy to do it. And if being good at it was the only entry point, I wouldn't have this outlet right now that's just pure joy for me. Yeah. And I think it's just being okay with the discomfort of not being good enough yet. The only way to get good enough is to show up anyway. And I guess we can always question that enough. We can be not good at things. Yeah. There's always times in our lives when we're not amazing at things yet, but not good enough, like enough for what? There's no enough to get started. No. You can be the worst violinist in the world, but if you want to learn the violin, go for it. Yeah. And if you know, if you're putting work out into the world and you're like, this isn't perfect, it probably is good enough. Like one of the really, one of the things that someone said to me when Orla was born that really stuck with me is she just needs you to be a good enough mom. Mm. Like you don't need to be perfect. Good enough gets you through. Good enough gets the message across. Like if you're writing for an audience and you're trying to get an important message across as long as you get it across good enough then you've still delivered all of the value that you were looking for completely and I think it's so easy to simplify this problem but I think the only way out is through it's just sit yeah. down and show up and see where it takes you and, and let go of the pressure to be perfect right now let you're that not be your be. motivation that yeah. like oh, I'm feeling this way the best way to get past it is to work yeah good luck so this is from Laura who says how does one deal with trolls Oh, the most painful question of life on the internet. Absolutely. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd get a cannon and some fire. And uh, that would be the end of it. But actually, in my experience, the best way to deal with it is is to deal with it like a fire and starve it of oxygen. I have a controversial opinion about trolls. Go on. I think trolls are inevitable. I think if you are taking up enough space in the world... And planting a flag in the sand of something you believe in, people are going to hate you. Mm. None of us want to be middle of the road. And sometimes you are so, your light is shining so bright, or you're saying something that's so uncomfortable for some people to hear, or you're taking up space in the world, especially as women that make people feel uncomfortable, especially if women find it uncomfortable, you will get criticized. Whether that is online, offline, it's part of this. It's unfortunately part of the game of the world. And so I think accepting that trolls exist and that it's part of it helps I think to some extent it shouldn't be part of it it's not right we shouldn't in the world try and cause each other harm but that's just the way the world is and if you're at a level where you're getting trolls you're at a level where you're making enough of a difference that that you're really riling some people up and I think how do we deal with it The most important question is here, how do you stay whole in the face of something that's trying to dehumanize you? Mm. And you stay whole, everyone stays whole in a different way. Some people stay whole by, I think Brene Brown is the medicine that everyone needs. She's the queen for this, yeah. And she would say, if you say you don't care, then you're also cutting yourself up from the fact that you're a human being who does Mm. care. So how do you say, this hurts me, this affects me, but it does not define me. I will not let it shame me. I will not let it become the story of my life. And I think you have to let yourself feel your feelings. It really stings if someone says something really fucking rude about you or cruel. And especially 
we've all had it when someone said something and you're kind of like, oh, but that's my worst fucking fear about myself. Yeah, that's the secret voice in my head that I take to bed at night. And you just validated all my deepest fears. And this, like, I mean, we're saying trolls and Laura said trolls, but I don't think it's really trolls we're talking about because a troll in the true sense is just there to wreak havoc and they'll just, they don't care about what they're saying, they're just saying it to cause damage. Whereas the ones that actually get to people and the ones that I know Laura's been dealing with are other real humans on the internet who are gathering together to be hateful. And they don't like you because you have taken up too much space. If you're if you're taking up enough space that people on the internet are grouping together to talk about you, you're making some waves with your work. And I mean, I think some this sounds a really like weird way of doing it, but go and look at your favorite authors and their books and look at their worst reviews. Yes. Or go, like, I think of so much about what female reporters go through and just the the vile, violent crap that they get said mm. to them every single just day. Just for doing their job. Just for doing their job. Just the horrible... And they're not putting much of their personal self out there. No, and I just think, remind yourself that you are standing alongside generations of human beings who have been brave enough to take up space that receives cruel criticism personalized criticism and I think the fact is you just have a choice will this stop me will this define me or will it not and the other thing to do is to lean on the people who love you who will hold space for the fact that this really stings it can hurt you but it can't stop you and those are the people whose opinions actually matter right like if you were trying to make a big important life decision would you listen to those people who love you and know you and you trust or would you go to a random forum on the internet full of people (laughs) you know nothing about and be like I'm just gonna outsource this important decision to you guys so as tempting as it is to be like well they said this about me so I need to change it actually are they even qualified to be talking about this and as soon as I saw this particular thread about Laura as soon as I saw where it was I discounted anything they had to say because I've read previous threads one about Mrs Hinch where she has constant criticism for absolutely everything you know that way when you hate someone like everything they do annoys you and it becomes really irrational but they wouldn't sit in front of their face and say it no and it was it was baseless it was groundless they were just angry it was all about them and how they were feeling and none of it was actually about what mrs hinch or what laura or what anyone else is doing online and it's commentary on two percent of that person's life yeah they don't know them they don't know their stories their, their lived existence they don't know anything and i think it's just claiming enough of the ground that you're taking up that you're like i am worthy of this because i'm a human being with a story and a voice and am i gonna let these people who have taken time out of their life to be rude about a human being they don't know on the internet or am I going to listen to the people who say your work matters to me thank you it's such a gift in my life yeah who's who's who are we going to give the bandwidth to and the only true antidote is don't pay attention to it yeah and it's so easy to say that and I think you've got to own the hurt and own how it's hurt you but then also do you need that that violent words in your life because it is I think any it is verbal violence and I just think you don't need that in your life you've got too much amazingness to give to the world Amen, especially you, Laura. So Bria says, have you ever worked really hard at something you're proud of and the public response was a flop? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I'm really, people ask this quite often and I really struggle to think of things, not because they don't exist, because they really do, but I'm really good at just learning from it and putting it behind me and then not giving it any more concern. So I don't have a controversial opinion. Just because we create something that we love doesn't mean that we're entitled to the response to that work that we yeah. want to have. And I save myself from this. When I create something and put it out into the world, and I, and I know this sound, you all want to slap me when you hear what I'm about to say, and I have to really work hard to do this, I let it go. I just go, it's out in the world, it's done, I'm proud of it, I believe in it, what will be will be. 
And I think because if you are showing up, as again, Renee Brown, if you're showing up and you're in the arena, you're going to fall flat on your face mm. enough times. And you have to get through a few flops. I'm using bunny quotes here to get to the good stuff. If you don't have any flops, then the the big high moments will not feel amazing. Totally. And I think it's just, I've definitely in the past launched something that I was really excited about and no one cared about it. And I just think that's business that's being a creative human and it stings and you lick your wounds and you get yourself back in the arena because this is what it means to be a human in the world is to risk rejection and failure and criticism for the possibility of having an impact in the world and especially if it's a business thing like people's willingness to buy something does not determine its worth i mean in in very strict terms it determines its monetary worth sure but it doesn't that shouldn't change how much it means to you and there probably is someone out there it would connect with on an equal level. It's just not reaching them at this moment in time. I approach everything in my business like an experiment. Like yeah. I am a scientist. This is my lab and everything's an experiment. And a scientist who tests out a hypothesis and discovers that they were wrong doesn't take that personally and doesn't take that to mean that their work is bad. They're curious and they're interested to know why and they move on to the next experiment to try and tease that out and so that's the approach I always take completely and I think it's just never feeling entitled to the outcome you want because you'll just get burned yeah well I say this in the industry like we are not entitled to anyone else's attention and we have to work hard to get it and everyone we are all worthy of belonging and joy and but we are not worthy of people's attention we have to I have this bit I've said this before on the podcast you have to change someone else's life before your business can change your life and if you create something that doesn't resonate it's not because it was crap it's not because you were crazy to think it could resonate it just wasn't the right time the right people the right space you could repackage it a year from now and it could be everything you ever yeah. dreamed it could be yeah it could be an online course that never sells but a best-selling book in five years time exactly and I think it's just if you're in this, you are. Sh- I am in this to flop when I need to flop. Yeah. You get comfortable with it when you see it, like Sarah said, as an experiment. I know this sounds, you're probably all listening like, yeah, but fuck you guys. Because <laughs> you've got businesses and Sarah's got her book and all these things. But I am telling you that we have launched things into the world that haven't met with the applause that we wanted them to reach. Mm. And we will do again. And that's okay. Because that's what it means to be fully living in our truth and our creativity. I think Instagram is a really great teacher for this because you can take a picture you adore that you think is the best thing you've ever taken and you can stick it up on Instagram and it gets like the lowest engagement you've ever got. And you can either take that to mean that you were wrong and the picture's not good or you can take it to mean that not everyone in your audience appreciates what's good about that picture. And I know which one I think is more healthy. Yeah, and also find the joy in the doing, not the receiving. Yes. If you created something that you're proud of and you put it out into the world, you just made a piece of magic and gave it to the world. And say five people loved it, five people loved it, amazing. Move on to the next thing and get going again because you just sometimes you have to kiss a lot of frogs to meet your prince, which is such a heteronormative saying. So you have to kiss a lot of frogs to meet your person. Yes, (laughs) a lot of non-gender specific frogs. But, um, But yeah, just flops is part of it. And if you're not willing to experience the flops then you're also not going to be willing to experience the successes yeah i wish we were all a little bit more open and honest about our flops I'm trying to think of one of mine now so that i can share it but i'm so, I'm so compartmentalized <laughs> but i think it's a healthy thing to realize that they're happening in everybody's business and even apple like recently came out and said they devoted so much mm-hmm. time and money to a wireless charger not happening and they've just had to scrap it like after years so if even with all of those advisors and everybody on board, they can have a flop, then all of us are going to be doing it inevitably. And this is, again, where you lean on your inner circle of creative 
peers. Yeah. Because you need a safe place to text someone and say, this just flopped. Can you please just tell me I'm awesome? Yes, yes. And if I can give anyone any advice, when I have a launch day, get away from your computer. When I launch something, I switch off of my computer for the day. I, I actually have a little secret weapon. I launch something the first day I go on holiday sometimes. That's, because that would stress me out so much. Well, if it's like a digital download, like if, it's, if there's no, if it's all passive and there's yeah, but no. but I'd be still checking. So for me, it's, I recently launched my guided journal and we went on holiday the day it launched. And I was like, if it sells well, I can celebrate when we're in Barcelona. And if it doesn't sell well, I'm in Barcelona, who gives a shit? <laughs> and just don't, if you can't, like get outside and remind yourself that you are a whole human being, whether or not this succeeds, because it just, yeah, all your worth is not wrapped up in that. But if you're not flopping, you're doing it wrong. I think that should be a mantra for all of us. Definitely. Get out there and flop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you hang out about your own flops and anything else that's resonated with you from this week's episode. Our hashtag is Dear Hopeful Creative. Yeah, and just remember that we are bringing out fortnightly episodes now. So look out for the next episode in two weeks' time. And yeah, we'll, we've got the doors open for new letters. So if you've got something you'd love us to talk about on the show, you can submit it over on our website. The link is all over in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We're going to be sharing new episodes. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon. Bye.